Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Friday, December 10th. And Scott Christofferson, it is once again a Cyclone State, my friend. Um, it's been a long time since I was able to say that. And, uh, and I can finally say it now. After a Cyclone basketball sweep this week, capped off last night with a 73-53 to 53 win over the Iowa Hawkeyes. Of course, we want to give a shout out to the Iowa State women, 77 to 70 Wednesday night at Hilton Coliseum. And man, not only is it a Cyclone State, but the magic is back in Hilton Coliseum, dude. It's uh, man, what a what a two a series of two nights, two all time classic games that I think everybody who was in the building, everybody who watched on TV is going to remember. And a uh, couple definitely to save for the memory book. Yeah, I think uh, this will be a game we'll we'll look at and remember for a long time in the T.J. Otzelberger era. Um, I, I think, like you said, it was a, an iconic rivalry matchup, and I think everybody can now breathe a deep sigh of relief. This is a really good basketball team playing really good basketball, and they have earned an opportunity to play this season out and and. There, there doesn't need to be a ceiling on them anymore. We don't need to say they're really good, but or they're, they're a really good team and they should sh- expect to win when they show up with the way they're playing. Absolutely. This team likely should be undefeated when, uh, when Baylor, the defending national champions, arrives uh, in Ames <laughs> to play the Cyclones on January 1st. Cyclones likely will be in the top 10 at that point, which is uh, absolute insanity. When you they, did, they barely made the top ten for the preseason Big Twelve poll, didn't they? Well, yeah, they, they finished tenth. <laughs> they finished tenth, and, and I think it was a unanimous tenth place. Yeah. I, if, if, I think if people could have left them off the ballot, they probably would have. Yeah, you know, and and obviously coming off a two win season with so many new guys, I mean, to an extent, as a an analyst, you can you can understand that. I think TJ's even mentioned that 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 maybe that's what they deserve to be. But here we are on December whatever day it is trying to keep them straight. Uh, and they're, they're a legitimate top 25 team. And I mean, I don't know as a fan, how you could not be more excited about the way that they are playing. Yeah, man. And like, it's just, it's crazy because it's, it's somebody different every night. It seems like, and I think that's what makes it, I don't know if that makes it more fun. Like it would be fun if they had somebody that's, you know, Mariel Shayok or George Yang or whoever that, mm-hmm. you know, you sit there and you're just like, man, that guy is just clearly way better than everybody else that's on the floor. And uh, Isaiah Brockington probably is the closest thing that they have to that. Mm-hmm. And he has been really, really good in some games. Uh, last night was if Isaiah Brockington's ever played a better half of basketball than he did in the first half last night, I don't know. I mean, it had to have been in junior high or something. His, like his QBR would be 158.3, I think, right? Like if you were, yeah. you know, trying to score it that way, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was as close to a perfect half of basketball as you can play. Yeah, I mean. Against it, a guy that will probably 
I would think maybe be a lottery pick someday, or, you know, certainly probably a first round pick. I mean, it's not like he was doing it against, uh, you know, just some guy. I mean, that, that, that guy can play. Right. And that's what I think, you know, he did so good at not only preventing Murray from getting, we're obviously talking about Iowa's Keegan Murray, who came into the game as the nation's leading scorer. Uh, he, he didn't only keep Murray from getting comfortable. Like when he got the ball where he wanted to get it, he couldn't even get the ball where he wanted to get it, you know? And I think that's what was so impressive is it's like, he it's like Isaiah Brockington came out here and decided you're not going to touch the basketball. If, if I have anything to say about it. And he kept him so uncomfortable for the entire game at, the, at halftime, Isaiah had made all seven of his shots uh, and had, I'm going to double check this. He had 17 points at halftime on seven of seven shooting, two of two from three, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. And then you look on the other side, and at halftime, Keegan Murray had zero points on 0 of seven shooting, 0 of two from three, two rebounds, an assist, and a turnover. And it's like, it's like, man, that kid was putting up 25 on people like it was nothing. You know, and I know he's been and and is a multi-dimensional scorer. You know, right. not just a shooter, not just a back to the basket guy. I mean, he can do everything. You can play perfect defense on him, and he still has the ability to make shots over you. Um, you know, one of the things that really kind of stood out to me in this game because I coming into this game, I'm I'm analyzing this thing and I'm watching it. You know, and I'm like trying to guard, trying to take my cyclone goggles off and be a little bit objective because I always got a good offensive attack. But I'm like watching this and I'm like, man. Iowa State's just got to do what they've done all year, and they're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying Iowa wouldn't make some shots. I was kind of surprised at – I thought Iowa would have more than 50, whatever 53. it was. 53. Yeah, 53. Um, but I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, all they've got to do is just be solid and do what they've done all year. You know, I did a little thing before the game on Twitter about just doing your work early, which to your point, I mean, Isaiah took that and, and, and ran with it another 10 yards. I mean, he, like you said, he wouldn't even let him catch the ball at times. But what Iowa State does, good defensive teams make you beat them playing a lot of one-on-one. Iowa State makes you beat them playing one-on-two and one-on-three. And that's what they forced Keegan Murray to do. Even when he caught it, there was always two or three players that he felt in the play. And they've done that to everybody all year. And you can even see it. Like There was a couple of instances where they did get open looks. But when you've been suffocated for five, six, seven minutes at a time, they get that open look and you can just see they're like, holy smokes. I, I don't know. It's like, and then, and then they squeeze. They, they feel like I have to make this because I might not get a shot like this for another five or 10 minutes. And it just, it has a, a reciprocal effect of like, it gets in the other team's head and they're just, I don't know that I've ever seen a team for nine games. What are they, are they nine and oh or 10 and oh now? Nine 10 and oh. Yeah. Nine and oh. 10 and oh or nine and oh. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen a team for 40 minutes every game for nine straight games defend at the level that they have. I've watched a lot of college basketball. I just, I don't, they, they, I, when are they going to let up? But you know, like, I don't think they are right now. They are so locked in. TJ has got these guys. He's dialing all the right buttons. I remember like vividly them playing Oregon state. It's fifth. It's six. It's a 12 point game with 20 seconds to go. Most teams are going to let Oregon state go lay the ball in and then inbound it. They wouldn't let them do it. They just, nope, you're not doing it. They made them work for it. They ended up getting a basket, but I just remember being like, they literally wouldn't take the last 20 seconds of the game off. Mm-hmm. And they, they have done that game in and game out. And I think that's why moving forward, they should expect to show up and play anybody anywhere really tough because their recipe travels to every gym in America against every team in America. Yeah. And it, you know, I, there was a stretch when they were up 20 and there was like eight minutes left in the game. And Iowa went on a little run. I mean, they never really got, they didn't ever get probably back within even 15, you know, but it was one of those things where you're sitting there and you're like, Oh, like this is a little hairy because you know, at the end of the day, like Iowa is a veteran team and obviously they have people who are really good. Like Mm -hmm. they've got people who, if you let them get loose and you let things get, you start to get a little loose with the basketball and you let them, if you give them an inch, all of a sudden they can take a mile. You know, and it doesn't take very much for them to be able to do that. But they were up 20 points and you've got Tyrese Hunter diving on the floor at people's feet after the basketball. You've got Al Jazz Koontz, you know, 
jumping into the stands trying to save the ball out of bounds. And I'm like, and then that was even, there's two minutes on the clock and they're diving on the floor after the ball. The last possession that Iowa had when, uh, when Tony Perkins pulled a three from way down the floor, Koontz runs over and contests it. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, there's two seconds on the clock and they're firing up a just last second shot that doesn't matter in the game at all. Doesn't matter for anything. And they're still contesting it. And these guys are, they're wired different, dude. Like these guys are wired different where if someone is on the other team is going to shoot the ball, they're not going to let them shoot it easy. And that was the thing coming into the game. My one concern is, okay, we know that Iowa is not going to get anything easy, but Iowa has some people that are good enough to, regardless of what the defense does, if that's just their night, man, and it's just they get hot, it don't matter what you do on defense. The guys can score, you know? And that was my one concern, and I thought, I was like, you know, if you can hold them to 70, which is 20 points below their average, I feel like they're going to be okay. To hold them to 53 was never even in the realm of possibility in my mind. I mean, you hold them almost half to, to almost half of what they score on a given night, you know, and yeah. it's you other teams have to work so hard just to even get a shot up, let alone get an open look. I mean, it's just it's it's special, dude, like this. I, I haven't seen anything like it from Iowa State basketball. Like you mentioned, like there's not very many teams that I've seen that can play this way. And, you know. It is really sustainable. Yeah. You have to be able to sustain it and you have to, if you can sustain it and, you know, knock on wood, like this team isn't overly deep. So like we, you got to keep people healthy. And when you play that way, obviously you're throwing your body around the way that these guys do like that can, that is a little bit of a concern, but like, man, it's just, there's some dogs, dude. Like these guys are just wired different. Well, and one thing that I really like, and, and we'll, you know, you're always wondering, okay, well, when adversity hits, how are we going to respond? How's the team going to respond? And, and truthfully, you know, real adversity, in my opinion, like the realest of real adversity is, you know, you take a loss or two, you know, you play, you got back to back against two juggernauts and that's on the road and you just, you, whatever, they get away. But, you know, we're not going to know how they respond to that until they do. But when they played against um, Xavier, from the 12 minute mark of the first half until the four minute mark of the first half, Xavier took control of the game and I'm watching the game and I'm like, man, it feels like Xavier's kind of got control of this thing. And Iowa state gets to the four minute timeout and they make the adjustments and they control the rest of the game. They're playing Creighton at Creighton and Creighton's up like 19 to 11 or 18 to 11. And it's, you know, it's been a struggle for 10 minutes offensively. And I'm like, man, this feels like this one might get away. And they just, they lock in, they make the adjustments and they get 60 the rest of the 30 minutes of, you know, if you get 20 points every 10 minutes, that's really good basketball. You're going to score 80 points. Like they make the offensive adjustments. They continue to grind it out on defense and they respond to adversity. The first four minutes of the game last night, Iowa scouted them. Well, they come in and start setting flare screens because Iowa state's up in the passing lanes. They're denying really hard. So they, they counter with some flare screens. They get a couple of open looks the first four minutes. And I'm like, well, this is going to be an adjustment. I'm, I'm curious to see how Iowa State responds. This is a really good team. They know what they're doing. And they, they let them get 53. And they just they make them look disjointed the entire night. So you're seeing them make a – it's not like they're just coming in and overwhelming teams from beginning to end. They're running into little bits of adversity where the other teams are making adjustments. And then they're countering those adjustments and just outwilling them and out-executing them. And to me – that's the kind of team that can go into Kansas and beat Kansas. That's the kind of team that can host Baylor on January 1st and give them a game and, and, and pull out a win because other teams know how to play too. They have good coaches. They're going to make adjustments. And when you don't just rely on overwhelming them with your initial game plan, again, that's the mark of a mature team in my, in my view. Yeah. It's so it was 17 to 17 with nine minutes and 30 seconds left in the first half last night. The halftime score ended up being 38 to 26. So they outscored them 21 to uh, 21 to nine in the last nine minutes. And it was just, you can just see where like a switch flips where they wait. It, it's kind of like in uh, how Iowa State football, Iowa State football does the same thing, especially defensively. They're so, it is so rare for other teams to see teams play the way that Iowa State does that it takes a minute for them to feel out how's the other team going to attack us 
okay, we got our 10 minutes. We saw how they're going to attack us. Now it's, now we go, you know, mm-hmm. now we go, now we take off. And you saw that from them last night, you know, that Creighton game is another good example. I think it was 20 to nine at one point they're down by 11 and then they scored 14 of the last 17 points in the half and it was 23 to 23 at halftime and that is what we have not seen from iowa state basketball in recent years is that ability to make not only make adjustments at halftime but to make adjustments on the fly in the moment and you see the guys lock in and go in and execute it you know that's what i think is so cool is it's one thing to sit in the huddle and say hey this is what we want to do but when you practice something a certain way and all that kind of stuff all the time, like it's easy to get those things crossed up. And then all of a sudden everybody's scrambling. You don't ever see that from this group. Like you don't see them scrambling. You don't see those miscommunications very often where it's just like, they don't know what they're doing or they've gotten confused in what they're trying to do. Well, and it takes courage to play through that adversity, right? Like, you know, whether it's at Creighton or, you know, first couple of minutes last night. And when Iowa got some things going, like a lot of teams, all of a sudden you're like, man, our game plan isn't working and they start to deviate. And then it becomes, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to save the day. I'm going to, I'm going to bail us out of this. And this team just doesn't flinch. They just get back to work, make a couple of minor adjustments of how they want to guard stuff or how they want to play offense. They just stick with it. And over the course of 40 minutes, they just impose their will on teams. And again, I think that just speaks to the relationship and the trust that exists between TJ and the three assistant coaches who we probably haven't given enough uh, enough credit to and these players and their belief in the the game plan that they're being given and then their commitment to one another to stick with it when even when it doesn't initially work perfectly which i've played on teams that failed on game plans and that will get ugly really quickly and i, I think you just have to tip your cap to these guys on how committed they've been to their plan yeah and i'm glad that you said that about the assistant coaches Kyle Green deserves a lot of credit, I think, because they play. You can see the fingerprints of Kyle Green on this entire team. They defend the way that those really good Northern Iowa teams did. And but they do it with more like on paper talent than what those Northern Iowa teams did. You know, the Northern Iowa teams like they were obviously really good teams and they had some really good players, whether it was Seth Tuttle or, you know, whoever else. But you sit there and look at it and it's like, OK, these are guys from Iowa that were, you know, under recruited, probably kind of overlooked that nobody really thought could do it. And like I in Northern Iowa has developed them. They're getting these guys that can come in and are ready made to play and by getting them to buy into the system. And that's what I think is really cool about it. And you see how good that can be when you've got the athletes to do it at a really high level with guys that can, I mean, one through five defensively, I think one through five, this might be the, this is by far, by far the best Iowa state team that I've seen defending. This is as good as any team that I've seen in Hilton Coliseum defend one through five. I mean, individually, all five guys that are on the floor at any given time are so good at guarding their man and doing and and fulfilling their job. And not only that, but, you don't get a let up when Trey Jackson comes in the game. He's been dynamite all year, whether he's played five minutes or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Caleb Grill is everywhere defensively, whether he makes four threes or doesn't get a, you know, I think last night he got one three. His defense and loose ball effort doesn't falter. Uh, even Rob Jones, you know, when when Condit's been in foul trouble, has given them quality minutes and, and, and embraced his role off the bench. And then, I mean, Jazz has been the, like, microcosm of this team. I mean, it's just whatever the winning play is jazz recognizes it before everybody else and just does it. And whether it's glamorous or not, he could care less. And uh, I I think one through nine, this is as impressive of a defensive operation as I've, I've seen in person. Absolutely. Um, Man, but you know, (laughs) Isaiah Brockington, like I don't even know if we can talk about his game enough. I mean, he scores 29. If you points. are not talking, if you analyze college basketball and Isaiah Brockington is not in your list of top players in the Big 12, you're not watching all the Big 12 teams. If you're not watching college basketball right now and, and you don't sit and think that that's one of the best players in the country, I, I mean, I, right. he's, I think he's an All American right now today. Hey, you, he's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of, good players a lot of time to play out, but yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, and what, what he means to this team, I mean, yeah. Last night, he guards a college four-man who's going to probably be a first or second team All-American. And he all, I mean, he blanks him in the first half, completely blanks him, and goes and gets 29 and 10. I mean, if that were Tyler Hansborough back in the day or Luke Herringody or Doug McDermott or you know, some of the like 
you know, Jimmer for debt, like everybody would be raving about that on ESPN or whatever. I mean, it's just, I think TJ stated it best. That was a heroic game and effort on his part. And I, I think in time he's going to get the recognition that he deserves. Cause I agree with you. I, I, to me, he's been as impressive as any wing I've seen play even against Creighton. I know he didn't have a great shooting night. All of his looks were quality looks. He just, he missed some mid range shots. He missed some shots at the rim, but guess what? The last five minutes of the game, last six minutes of the game, who gets the rebounds, who makes the, the, the free throws, who makes the key three him. And that's why I love his game is like, he doesn't, whether his shots are going in, everything else stays at an elite level with his defense and his rebounding, his tenacity. And that's why he can play through shooting slumps. And, and when it's money time and winning time, that's the guy I'm going to. It's just a little bit unfortunate that he wasn't able to make one more free throw so that he could score 30 points and join an ex- this. listen to this exclusive club of Cyclones that have scored 30-plus points in a Cyhawk game. LaFester Rhodes, Herkel Ivy, Terry Woods, and Scott Christofferson. <laughs> man, you like you don't just simply join a group with uh, LaFester Rhodes and, and Scott Christofferson, man. Like you got to get I, I can assure you, you that his, his, thir- his 29-point uh, performance last night was much more impressive than my 30-point performance was. Although I will say it was one of my favorite games going into Carver Hawkeye and, and having a big second half. Uh, I, I'm going to tip my cap to Isaiah and say what he did last night uh, dwarfs anything that I did uh, in an Iowa game. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was special, man. That was an all-time performance. And one that will, you know, even Eric Heft, I heard it. I saw a quote from him. Like, we're going to be talking about that one for a long time, I think. But The Brockington-Iowa game. That'll be, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. The Brockington-Iowa game. Um, man, I want to talk about Tyrese Hunter, too. You know, and I tweeted this during the game last night. If there's been a better freshman point guard in the country than Tyrese Hunter, I haven't seen him. I don't know who it would be. I mean, he, you know, had 11 points. He didn't shoot the ball over really well last night. You can still see where the length at the rim, I think, gives him some trouble. He's still learning how to navigate that stuff a little bit. It was only four of 13 from the field. But at the same time, I mean, you know, you've stood near Tyrese Hunter. He's not a big guy. He's six foot, like on a good day, you know, and he had eight rebounds, had six assists. Like if there's not only is there probably not a better freshman point guard in the league or in the country, I don't know that there's many point guards grittier than he is, but like, it don't matter if you're a freshman or a sixth year senior, like that kid is Tyrese is a a badass man. Yeah. Like he's just, he, again, another guy like Brockington where whether his shots are going in or not, I mean, his on-ball defense, his off-ball deflections are out of this world, not even just for a freshman, for any college basketball player that ever plays. I mean, what he's doing is already the 99th percentile of defense that you will see in a college from a college guard. Um, you know, he, he's learning the offensive game. You know, his speed is obviously, you know, when he gets a crease, it's over. Mm-hmm but he's learning how to navigate the rim. And I think as his, I think he's going to continue to work hard on his handle. And I think as that tightens up, that's going to help him. And then I think if he can develop a little bit of a floater game and knowing, you know, there's an art to knowing when to shoot a floater off a one foot or when, when to come to that, like pop jump stop and then kind of do a push shot. If he gets that going in his game with what he can do getting to the rim, he doesn't need to be a dynamic three-point shooter with his athletic ability. If he gets that going where he can shoot that eight, 10-foot shot on a consistent basis and make people pay and and know when to take it all the way and when to stop just short, uh, that's going to be when he goes from like one of the best freshman guards to one of the best point guards in the Big 12, regardless of age. And, and it's... I thought last night was probably his most impressive game, in my opinion. He um, he was steady. It's a big-time environment. One of the reservations I had going into that game is, you know, when you have that sort of energy in the building, sometimes your execution can fall off because guys are so hyped up and they're so jacked up and they want to hit that three or get that dunk and hit that home run play. And they, they shot a couple of quick ones early, but past that, they just stuck to their plan. And that starts with him running the show for them. So yeah, I mean, he stuffed the stat sheet points, rebounds, you know, his defense was off the charts assists. Um, but just how steady he was in that big time of an environment against that good of a team. I thought it was his best performance. Yeah, I would agree with that. There was one play 
that he made where he drove the lane and wrapped it around a defender and kicked it out for a three in the corner that I was like, if that kid is seeing that play now, mm-hmm. I mean, watch out. Like I, he, he's in his ninth game at the college level and he's seeing that, you know, the game and, hasn't and, even probably slowed down for him yet. And he's already seeing that stuff. And that's, well, that's what's special. He's making such big improvements and this team is too. And that's why they're, that's why I don't think you put a ceiling on what this team can do this year. Cause we're having too much fun watching this team. It's I feel like I'm watching a movie. You know what I mean? Like a team that's picked dead last. Nobody has any hope in them. And they're just coming out and like every night is this heroic uh, effort. And what's so impressive to me about him, the Memphis game really stood out. And I wrote a little bit about it. And I I actually talked to him after the game because I said, you know, he probably didn't get the credit he deserved in that game. I mean, Memphis, for all of its flaws, is an elite defensive team. They put him in some weird spots in the first half and he turned it over a little bit. And it didn't, you know, wasn't up to what I think his standard for himself is. I'm telling you, like most senior guards would fold and just come out in the second half and try to just just get through the game. He goes to halftime, collects himself, comes out, five assists. I don't even know that he had a turnover in the second half. They had no issue with Memphis's press. A lot of that had to do with his speed and quickness and decision-making. And when you see guys making those sorts of improvements in games on the fly, you just I, the, you can't be excited enough for what's to come from him the next three and a half years in Ames. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, it, I mean, they've jumped 64 spots on Ken Palm in nine games. I, I, that has to be a record. I don't, I don't <laughs> like, I asked somebody this week, I was like, what do you think is the most spots a team has ever gone up in Ken Palm in one year? I was like, this team is going to rival it, rival it, you know, yeah. or they're going to push that record. I mean, I, I don't, I've never seen that before. And uh, they're going to break the record for the greatest turnaround in, in a single season as far as wins. I mean, they're already plus seven from where they were a year ago. I think the record is plus 18. It's like they're going to be at plus 12 already, or plus 10 already when you start Big 12 play. You know, I mean, it's just it's, it's insane, dude. And it just is, mm-hmm. you know, I wrote it last night. We never could have even imagined this in our wildest dreams, I don't think, that this would be right. how it would go, you know? And that's where you, you say that it's like a movie. Like, I don't even know that you could have written a movie script like this. I don't think it would have been, it would have been too unbelievable to even be a movie, you know? Yeah, and it's, uh, I think that we can just accept that this is a good team. And I think now what, what this and this team is, I think, stuck with this. What is going to determine between now and the end of the season how many games they win, where they finish in the Big 12 is how much do they continue to improve? I mean, if the NCAA tournament started today, they're absolutely in it. No question. They're they're in it as probably like a three or a four seed. If you just go off of their resume and what have they done and you forget all the in coming into the season expectations. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've they've got one of the most impressive resumes out there. But between now and the end of the season, how much this team can continues to improve on the little things, the intricacies of the game, the execution on the offensive end, continuing to grow and evolve defensively, that is what is going to determine what their ceiling is. And I'm excited, you know, even this game this Sunday, you know, this is an opportunity for this team to come out and take another step forward, getting ready for Big 12 play and to pick up another win. And I think that's the, that that's what we need to start focusing in on. And we can kind of move past the like surprise of how good they are and just acknowledge they're good and now start focusing in on, well, how much better are they getting from game to game? Because that's been remarkable. I would never have guessed after the Kennesaw state game. So seeing what I saw offensively that we would be sitting here and they'd be consistently giving, getting into the seventies and eighties against power five schools that they have. Yeah. And it, there's still room to improve because I think you're seeing you're seeing all of the like, not just Tyrese, not just Isaiah. You're seeing everybody improve in every game. I thought mm-hmm. Tristan Anaruna was fantastic last night, and he scored 
he's had six points on two of three shooting and he had six rebounds. Dude, that guy goes and gets attacks the glass like a madman. And when he sees the ball, he's going to go and get the ball, you know? And that's what is so impressive about this, that group of four guards is they don't care who the team is on the other side. Iowa brought the, uh, brought their big guy. Um, man, Ogan Dele, I think is, is how you say his name. They brought him in and they had him and Murray out there at the same time. Those are two six ten guys in Iowa state. I think had, I mean, they might've had jazz out there. Jazz ain't six ten. They didn't have a single six ten guy out there and they're still out rebounding them, you know? Mm-hmm. And rebounding you know obviously being big and being athletic is a big part of rebounding but rebounding is more than anything else how bad do you want to go and get rebounds how bad do you want to go and get that basketball and you can tell that these guys they're willing to fight if that's what it takes to go and get the rebound like if if it comes down to i have to literally fight this person to get that basketball i will do it and that's what is so impressive well and and Yes, their 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 fifty fifty ball ratio. You know, somebody went and statted it. it it's it's got to be one of the best fifty fifty ball teams in the country. They get balls they shouldn't. But I would say the other piece of that too is when you're always in good shape on defense, you always have rebounding leverage. So you know that that and that's another part of it is their blackouts are super solid because they're not trying to scramble to get the ball out of the paint. The ball hardly ever gets in the paint. And when it does, they're there swiping at it nonstop and, and, and creating turnovers. And so they can get away switching, playing small ball when they need to because of how solid they are at keeping it out of the paint. You know, when you, when you have leverage, no matter how big and athletic the other team is, it's a lot harder to, to crash the offensive glass without fouling than when the, than, than when the offense or the defense breaks down, excuse me. And I think you have to give a lot of credit too to what George Conda and Robert Jones have been able to do. You know, they don't go and grab a lot of rebounds because they block out so hard that then those other guys can run in there and grab it and they can get it pretty much uncontested. And that's the thing that, you know, the average person, when they watch Iowa State rebound, like they probably sit there and they're like, man, why does that guy who's the biggest guy on the floor, you know, George Condit last night, I think had four rebounds. Robert Jones had, he had four as well. So they had eight rebounds between the two of them. And you sit there and you're like, man, those two guys should be just looking at this, at the floor and looking at what you know about basketball. It's like, those guys should be the two best rebounders. Why don't they get more rebounds? Because they're doing their job so well and blocking guys out so well that the Iowa State guards can just sprint in there and go and get it. And like, that's where it just, everybody does their job, you know, and they don't care. Like George isn't like, I'm trying to set a record for rebounds or anything like that. He doesn't care. He's like, I'm going to make sure that my guy gets it. And as long as we get it, then that's fine with me. Well, and, and when you've got maybe the best defensive rebounding guard, point guard in the the conference and definitely, in my opinion, the best rebounding wing in the conference who can go get it at 11 feet, mm-hmm. you know, off the, off the rim, you know, those guys get a running start at it. I mean, it, you know, there's a reason that they're averaging the number of rebounds. And I would say it, it, what jumps out to me is how many times has Jazz tipped a rebound to a teammate? Right. You know, he's fighting his guy off. He's not going to get it. And he realizes that. So he, he tips it. I mean, that, that's just the, the, the amount of intel- just, basketball intelligence that that takes to do on the fly while you're fighting a big athletic dude off is, is crazy. It's one of those things where even when they're not going to get a 50-50 ball, they do exactly what they need to to keep the ball alive to where it can bounce around more and then they can get it. You know, mm-hmm. that's what's like they, they're like, OK, the ball is in the air. I probably can't get it, but I'm going to make sure you can't get it either. And eventually we're probably going to win out on it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where you see even on offense, like they'll create opportunities like that where they can just they tip the ball up in the air a bunch of times. And then all of a sudden you'll see a guy come in and, and grab it and, and then they've got possession again. And one thing one thing that I'm curious to see, and I was curious to see how this would play out last night was the style of play. You know, Iowa State makes it into a, you know, a metaphorical fist fight night in and night out. And teams are not going to want to play that way against them. But I, I'm trying to think of a way that you cannot play that way against them. I don't know if you can. I think that they will always force you. If you want to beat them, you are going to have to out fist fight them. I mean, you want to run your offense, you're going to have to have 10 perfect cuts and passes because they're contesting every cut and every pass. So I'm kind of curious to see as this plays out, like, 
are there any teams that can get them out of this style of play? Because I think one of the beautiful things about the way that they're playing is I, I think that's going to be really difficult to do. I mean, if Iowa couldn't do it, and there is, I mean, they're 10 deep, 10 guys that know how to play offense the way that we have nine guys that know how to play defense. Mm-hmm. They look disjointed at times. And, and that is, I mean, I'm not throwing rocks at them. I mean, they are a really, really, really good offensive team. I just think it really speaks to how good these guys are at making the game played the way that they want it to be played. I think that their biggest test is going to come when they play Kansas. Because Kansas has guys, you know, Iowa has Keegan Murray, who's an elite talent. Kansas has Ochai Baji, who's an elite talent. They've got Remy Martin, who's an elite talent. They've got Christian Braun, who's a really good player. David McCormick's a really good player. That's one of those teams where it's like, they don't just have like one guy who is really, really good and can really cause you some trouble one-on-one. They've got like five of them. You know, and that's what I'm excited to see them play a team like that, because it's just, you know, that that is going to be the time when if there's going to be a team that can can take advantage of some of the things Iowa State's able to do. It's a team like that, you know, and it's still going to be really hard. Don't get me wrong. It's still going to be really hard, but it's where they've got enough guys that you can just is you can kind of throw enough things at the wall and see what can stick. And eventually something might break for you, you know, but obviously we're still a ways away from seeing them be able to play a team like that. But that's just like, that's like the only team I can think of when you look at them on paper, you're like, okay, this one might give them some trouble just because of the talent that they have and the depth of talent that they have. Yeah. And you know, the, the, it's a long season and the big 12 is a grind and, you know, there'll be teams that see something on film and, 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 and are find ways to, you know, take advantage for small periods of time, like we've seen other teams do, but I'm just, I'm curious to see if there's anyone that can just like sustain it. I mean, I agree with your point about Kansas that they may be just so talented that they can get away with some things that others can't, but it just seems like whatever other teams see on film that they try to take advantage of, even if it works for a little bit, Iowa state finds a way to counter it and then turn it right back into this is going to be a grinded out game. And I think that's going to favor Iowa state most nights <laughs> if yeah. not all of them i do want to give i just want to give a shout out to the fans that were in the arena last night you know i don't know the clips that i've seen from the tv broadcast i don't it didn't do justice to the mm-hmm. environment at hilton coliseum and it was it was the it was louder for longer than any time i can ever remember i've been really lucky to be able to cover iowa state basketball through some really fun times. Like I've been at some of the best games that you're ever going to see at Hilton Coliseum. The thing that is different about those times to last night, you know, you think about 2013 against Iowa, 2015 against Iowa, uh, the 2015 or what, what would have been 2014 game against Oklahoma when they had to come back. Or well, I guess it would have been 2015, like February of 2015 when they went on the 21 to zero run. Uh, Naz, when he hit the shot against Oklahoma state to, to send it to overtime. It was really loud in those moments. And it was one of those things where you're sitting there and you're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe how loud it was. Dude, it was like, I can't believe how loud it is right now from the moment the game started until the moment the game ended. I've never seen that before. And that was, I mean, it was special. Like it was a special environment. And it's, it's unfortunate that ESPN did not have their announcers in the arena. And it's unfortunate that it did not come across that way on TV. I mean, it did. You could tell it was loud. But it wasn't, it didn't give it, it didn't do it justice. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to hear the announcers on TV hardly, I think. Yeah. I, I couldn't like hear myself think at moments, you know, and it was just, I've never seen anything like it. I've never been able to be in a building for anything like that. And it was just, uh, like I said, I just think we got, we have to give a shout out to the people that were out there. Shout out to the students, man. Like the people were wrapped three quarters of the way around the building, two and a half hours before it started. There were kids out there at 10 o'clock at night, the night before basically the women's game got over and they got in line. That's what I would say basketball should be like. That's what Hilton Coliseum is. That's what it was when I was in school. It's what it was when you were in school. That is Iowa State basketball. That's Hilton Coliseum. That's Hilton Magic. And just to see that back, dude, like it was borderline emotional to walk into the arena and see that again. And I, you know, I wrote my column, and that's why I talked to I wanted to talk to George Condit because, you know, all the other guys, like they see, like, man, you sit there and you're like, the, you know, I'm sure that Gabe Calter can say, Yeah, I've never been in anything like this before. Isaiah Brockington, I've never been in anything like this before. George Condit knows what it was like here. 
and he knows what had happened in the last couple of years and how that went away. And I wanted to know, like, know what it felt like to him to see that back because it was just, it was emotional for me being just a person as an, a media member, you know, and I can't imagine what it's like to be someone who was part of it all. And like part of bringing that back and part of that process, it was just, I've never seen anything like it, dude. It, it, even, and I don't, yeah. Well, even just like calling the games, you know, from the first game to now, you can just see this team's energy and enthusiasm, their will has spilled on over to the fan base and the fan base has embraced this. And I think that, you know, like when you described the atmosphere last night, which I would, I watched it on TV. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there. Um, it didn't do it justice. I mean, I've been in Hilton when it's rocking. And if you're telling me, you know, it was, it was an, on an even another level, it didn't do it justice on television. But I just, I think the camaraderie between this fan base, which is as good a fan base as there is in college hoops and this team and the way that they're playing. I mean, you saw TJ, you know, getting a little emotional after the game too. Like this is special and it's special for a different reason. This isn't, you know, Oh, we've got seven lottery picks on the team and we're just so talented. Like, I mean, when you talk about everything that is awesome about college sports, I, I just, to me, this team embodies that. And I think they're playing in front of a fan base that is smart enough and, and historically smart enough to recognize how unique this is. Like the, the way that they're playing the camaraderie they have, the togetherness that they have, the buy-in that they have from every coach, every player is like once every 30 years kind of special. And I think this is no longer a rebuilding year. Like this is a, this is a team. This is a team that's ready to play. It should be taken seriously. Like this is, we kind of got to skip the rebuilding process. No kidding, dude. Uh, it's like I said, I don't know in our wildest dreams, we ever thought that this could, could be the way that it's been, but it, you want to talk about that to- togetherness? Watch when someone hits the floor. <laughs> Like the only time they move quicker than when they do about playing defense is to run some run and pick up their teammate. You know what I mean? It's like remarkable. (laughs) And that's what I'm saying. Like that is something, you know, I remember going to like, I went to these camps called the, they were called the snow Valley camps. And you know, a lot of people from Iowa, I'm sure have have heard of snow Valley. I think they do them all across the country, but uh, there's a game that you play called cutthroat. And one of the rules of the game is that you have to pick up your teammate. When someone falls down, you have to go and pick them up. And that's like part of the rules of the game. If you don't do it, you're going to lose a point in the game. And these guys run and pick people up like that, you know, and obviously you're not going to lose any points for picking people up on your team, but they care about each other so much. It's like, Oh my God, my buddy's on the floor. I got to go and get him. And they're Mm going to go and pick him up. You know, there was a time where uh, Caleb grill, I think hit the, hit the floor hard. I don't know if he hurt his back or what it was. I got kind of banged up diving after a ball. And all five, all four guys are standing over the top of get, of Caleb Grill, talking to him, waiting for him to be ready to get up. And then all four people pick him up. And I'm like, that was a moment when I'm just like, Dan, hmm? like these guys care about each other a lot. You know, there's nobody standing down there talking to TJ. There's nobody down there looking in the crowd. There's nobody down there talking to their, the guy on the other team. No, they're like all right there together. They're always right there together to pick the other guys up. And all four guys are sprinting to their buddy that's on the floor. And that's, that's yeah. different. That's different. That's, you don't see that very often. And there's no guarantee that, it, you know, I mean, I think TJ has a certain caliber of player, but also a caliber of person and teammate that he wants to recruit. I, I definitely think he will use this to, as a launch pad for like what this program is going to be about. But it doesn't always work out perfect the way that it has, you know, like, and I think that's something I would just encourage everybody to really just enjoy taking this and enjoying this one game at a time and not look past anything because like, I've played, I played five years of college hoops and I played on teams with good chemistry teams with bad chemistry. I never, I don't think I ever played on a team that rivaled what these guys have as far as that. And I just, it's unique and it's, it's special. They should be celebrated for it. It's uh, I don't know if you want to call it a skill. I would Um, maybe that's not technically the definition by the book, but I, I guess my point is, is like, we don't know when we'll get a team like this again, that fights for each other and plays like this. Hopefully we get it every year, but don't take it for granted because it's, 
it's really, really cool. It, I mean, this team is easily becoming one of my favorite all-time college basketball teams, and we're nine games in. Yeah, and I, I was just going to say that, you know, don't take it for granted because and we would we hope that we can see it all the time. It's not realistic to think that you're going to see it all the time. You're just not. It's just, you know, if I were to give a fair critique of basketball players and I was one, we, we have, we tend to have fragile egos at times, Yes, you know, and, and that's, it's not even a great coach who's good with people. And I think TJ's as good with people as there is it. Sometimes it's just not in the cards for it to be smooth the way that this team has. And, you know, the way that they all check their egos at the door and just show up and work day in and day out. I, I think it just, it's inspiring. I think it deserves a tip of the cap and uh, it's, it's really, really, really fun to watch. I do want to give one last shout out and it's to somebody that I don't think anybody would expect me to give a shout out to. I want to give a shout out to Jordan Bohannon. Uh, that guy, man, you're walking, you're like, you're walking a dangerous line in a rivalry like this to say, I'm going to lean into being the villain. And I'm going to lean into it hard. He's leaned into it hard. Obviously, everybody remembers the shoes a couple years ago. We've seen the things that he does on Twitter. We've seen him go back and forth with George Niang on Twitter. We saw last night when he blew the kiss to the student section. Like, you're, when you do that kind of stuff, man, like, and it don't go your way, you're going to reap what you sow. You know, I got to give that kid credit because last night he came out and talked to the media and, you know, he admitted he got his ass kicked. And like, mm -hmm. and that's really hard, especially when you've talked as much as what he has talked. And I just, I thought that was really impressive. I, you know, I can't say I'm the biggest Jordan Bohan. I have been the biggest Jordan Bohannon fan, but after last night, I can't say I don't respect the kid. I respect the hell out of him because it, it, it would be really hard to come out and be like, okay, I'll admit, you know, I'll come out and talk. I got my ass kicked, <laughs> you know? Well, and I, I think some of, you know, the blowing the kiss and that's fun. Like, again, that's another part of college sports that I think is fun. You know, the, I, will the say, I thought it was, I thought it was really dumb to do it when he did it, but I understand, but you know, it right. is fun. I just thought it was really stupid to do yeah. it when he did the it. gamesmanship piece of it, I think is fun. And as a player, like I, sometimes I had fun with the gamesmanship piece of it and probably not to the extent that he has, and maybe the shoes thing might've been a, a step too far. Who knows? I, I guess I think the cool, it's always fun. And then when you can come together after the game and just be like, Hey, they just beat us. They, 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 they had our number tonight. They were the better team. That's when it's fun. When it gets to be where it's like, all right, I'm going to do all this stuff, but then I'm not giving them any credit whatsoever. Then it's like, all right, well now you're kind of being a loser. And, and I, I think it does speak to his level of awareness of like probably embracing that and thriving being the villain, but then being able to take that step back and just have a level head and say, you know what? Uh, I'm tipping my cap to these guys. They outplayed us tonight. They kicked our butts. And I think that that's when those rivalries are at their most fun and it doesn't get to be, you know, ridiculous and chippy and that sort of a thing. Yeah. I, I want to read this quote just for the people that haven't, um, that haven't seen it or haven't heard it. Uh, quote, it hurts big time. This is everything every Iowa kid growing up wants to play in. They want to win these games. I've been fortunate. This is my sixth one now. I've been fortunate to play in these types of environments. Iowa State has one of the best fan bases in the country. They're rowdy and they're up into you. Iowa State has a phenomenal team this year. I've got to give them a lot of credit. I've got the utmost respect for their head coach. I've known him since I was in high school and also AJ Green's dad that came from you and I, coached my brother. I have nothing but great things to say about that coaching staff and the players they've assembled this year. Shows a lot about how he was able to take that team that won two games last year to the team they are now. I have nothing but respect and nice things to say about him and his staff. Like that's, that's class, dude. Like that's what I'll say. Like that's, that's being a classy competitor, you know? And it's really easy when you're a competitor, just be like, no, nah, F those guys, F them. Right. I don't care. I'm not saying anything nice about them. And like after everything that Iowa state and Jordan Bohannon have been through in the last six years, like I thought that that was really impressive. And yeah, you don't, you don't have to like him and you don't have to like everything he, he does. But I think to your point that you, you have a, a level of respect for him to be able to take that step back and, and say something like that. I think that was really well thought out and, and very articulate. Yeah. And I, I have this, I would say the same thing about Fran McCaffrey last night. I walked out of that building. I have a lot of respect for Fran McCaffrey. I think that he, I think he is a great basketball coach. He, he clearly is. His teams are so good offensively every single year. 
I, there are certain things that I'd sit here and say that I don't necessarily agree with the way he approaches them. But you know what? I respect the hell out of the way that he coaches his teams because they always can score. <laughs> like, and that's all. Like, that's just all you can say about him. But he came in the press conference last night and he basically said the same thing. They kicked our butts, you know. And you can just tell that when Iowa media members ask him questions, they walk on eggshells because they know. Like, I mean, we all know how Fran is, you know. But last night. I didn't think there, he was going to blow up on anybody. I think he knew. He knew we got our butts kicked. And I just thought that was cool. I thought that was impressive. And I think that in the, a rivalry like this, it's really easy to not give your opponent any credit. And um, I just thought it was cool to see that. And it's going to be really easy for their fan base to not give Iowa State any credit. And I already know they're going to because I've talked to some of my friends that are Iowa fans and they've already got all their excuses that they're ready to make. So be more like your head coach. Be like more like Jordan Bohannon and give Iowa State some credit because Iowa State kicked your ass. And that's all that there is to it. And that's all I've got to say. Scott. Fans always reserve the right to be unreasonable, right? <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the fun parts about being a fan. Yeah, I it's uh whether they give Iowa state cyclones credit or not, that was uh, an impressive win. It was a shellacking and uh, you know, I, I don't think I was, you don't state have to be, be as brazen about it as me, Scott. It's okay. You can walk the line. I'll be the yeah, brazen Well, one. you know, I'm still getting used to the, the media thing. You know, I gotta, you know, make sure I, I walk before I run, but um, no, it's, it was a, uh, it was a very cool moment. And again, I think an iconic game for TJ for, the Iowa state program for uh, Isaiah Brockington. And um, yeah, they, they whooped them. Are you on the call Sunday afternoon? Yes. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to watching them respond and, 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 and hopefully come out and have a, another really strong performance. What, what do you know about Jackson state? I have not dug into them at all. I probably will uh, later today or tomorrow. Uh, I think um, I was, Brent was sharing a few things. It sounds like they've got a couple of pretty good scorers. Um, so we'll, uh, I'll be kind of queuing into that. And, and, you know, if they've got, you know, some good scores, it's always key. It's always fun to watch how Iowa state handles them. Cause they've just put every score they've taken on this year uh, in the meat grinder. We should have gotten uh, coach prime on just to talk about Jackson state, just to tell us about the university, you know, <laughs> <laughs> special guest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would have been fun, but all right, buddy, we'll see you on Sunday. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun last night, and we're looking forward to a, a whole bunch more, all right? So, yeah, absolutely. Sounds great, man. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.